Did you know that if you're an independent home improvement retailer, you are already a member of the North American Retail Hardware Association? The NRHA has been in existence since 1900 and serves its members in a variety of ways. From Hardware Retailing Magazine and our two podcast series to exclusive research and events, the association is here to help you become a better, more profitable business owner. To learn about what NRHA is doing for you, visit nrha.org. Welcome to another episode of Hardware Retailing's podcast, Tell Me More, hosted by myself, Renee Shagnon. Today, we're talking to Brett Thorne, operator and in-house firefighter of sorts of Thorne Lumber Company in Chillicothe, Missouri. Brett recently launched his own podcast called Building the Future, which connects retailers and other listeners with professionals and organizations that provide the necessary knowledge, tools, and products for building tomorrow today. Welcome to the show, Brett. Thank you, Renee. I'm happy to be here. We're excited to have you on. So uh, to get started, I'd love to just kind of have you introduce yourself. I, I did the best I could, and and we did meet briefly at the Do It Best show uh, earlier this year, but I would love to just kind of hear a little bit about yourself and the history of Thorn Lumber Company just to get us started. Absolutely. Well, you hit things spot on there. I was born and raised in this industry, so as they say, I've got sawdust in my veins. My parents started Thorn Lumber back in 1988. They actually bought out an existing local lumber yard. But prior to that, they were both on the wholesale side with Mid-Am Building Supply. So their history goes even deeper than mine. So I grew up running around the wholesale warehouses and then being a part of the lumber yard from day one. Since 1988, we now have three locations. One of our locations is celebrating their 25th anniversary this year. And then our most recent location just surpassed the 10-year watermark two years ago. Cool. So that kind of brings you up to speed on the lumberyards themselves. We are based in rural communities, anywhere ranging from 3,000 to 9,000 people. And we've pride ourselves on building the communities that have built us. Our customer base is approximately 70% professional, and then the other 30% is do-it-yourselfers, homeowners, and then some of the community industries and commercial aspects. Mm -hmm. And that is who we are and who I am. Cool. So growing up in both the wholesale side and in the hardware side, that's interesting. So what was it like? Like, what do you think had some crossover between the two? And what did you notice different when you when your family went from the wholesaler side to the home improvement, like the lumber yard side of things? You know, one of the things that was obviously the most obvious differences there was, you know, on the wholesale side, you dealt more with consistent customers. You know, we had, uh, my father actually ran an operation there, but prior to that, he was the outside salesman. So he had set schedules. He was a traveling salesman for them. So he had a routine of what they were doing and how that operation ran. When you get into the retail side, that becomes a whole nother monster in itself to where, you know, now you've got still a consistent customer base with that professional, 
but the projects are all different. Everything is different. Everything is painted a different color. And then you get the homeowners, you get the do-it-yourselfers, and that really mixes things up as well. Keeps things very active, keeps them very fluid, and keeps things moving. Mm -hmm. So would you say, too, as a, as a retailer, then you have a different understanding of where the wholesalers, not all wholesalers, because everyone's different, but would you say you have a different understanding of them than maybe just a retailer who's never been in that world might have? Or do you give you a little bit of an advantage or understanding of where sometimes manufacturers and, and wholesalers are coming from? Yeah, because then you get to, and I wasn't, my experience with the wholesale side was, as I said, a kid running around the uh, warehouses yeah. and stuff playing around. But, you know, being able to see it through their eyes. Yeah, it definitely is a little bit different. Um, the dynamics of it are a little bit different and the structure. And it does allow you to have a more open-minded view or a different perspective when you're looking at it through the retail eyes to understand where those manufacturers, where those suppliers, where those manufacturers reps are all coming from and the bases they're working on. Definitely. So um, you said that, did you say 70% of your customers are kind of that pro customer and the other 30% are DIY? Yep. And I say pro customer as in somebody that is doing this for a paycheck, whether it be a full-time thing or a part-time thing, but even some of your guys and your true firefighters, some of those guys are working schedules to where, you know, they're so many hours on, so many hours off to where they'll have multiple days and they're picking up side jobs, but they are doing it to support their families as a source of income. That's what we consider a professional. Definitely. So having, having businesses that span 25 to now the shortest shortest span is 10 years. Um, what do you think has helped keep the business strong all these years and has uh, kept you a, a staple in your communities? You know, I, I wonder if part of that is also just you're in these tight knit communities. Would you say the community plays a part in it as well in the success of the businesses? Absolutely. It is. I will credit it 100% to the people. And I mean the people as in our employees, but then the communities that we represent. That is what keeps us strong and keeps us going and makes us want to get up every day and go back and do this. Definitely. Um, so growing up in the industry, were you ever thinking like, I want to go explore something else? Like what made you decide to stay in the family business and you know, what, were you ever thinking you'd try something different or did you ever go venture in a different direction and, and realize like, this is where you wanted to be? Maybe kind of tell your story on that as well. Absolutely. And I have gone other directions, you know, I've done corporate America. I've done, um, when I was in school, I was on a, uh, career student program in Springfield, Missouri. I think I was there a good solid six years. When I was down there, I did the, um, waited a lot of tables and tended bar. So from that is a, a whole different trade in itself, that service industry. But I'll yeah. tell you what, that is a phenomenal place to understand people and to learn how to provide service to a customer. Because when your paycheck is all on tips, you mm -hmm. really grasp what it means to take care of a customer. Um, but yes, I have had different um, sides or I guess different avenues that I've taken professionally. And then also in this industry, I've done other things as far as I've been on the construction side. I've swung the hammers. I've done remodeled houses and things like that. So I do feel that I have a, a pretty broad understanding of this industry. Mm -hmm. 
That's cool. Well, I think that's interesting because I don't know if I've talked to a lot of retailers that have kind of that um, that service aspect as far as like the the restaurant and bar industry because that I mean I have several friends that are bartenders and things like that and you have to have the ability to hold conversations with people and understand what makes people tick from just meeting someone. So that's a skill that I think anyone can really um, apply to any career or profession they go into and it would help them. So it makes sense. Um, what, what kind of inspired you to get into the, the podcast game and, and, uh, when, when did you start like brainstorming and the wheel started turning on all this? And when did you say like, let's make it happen? Like, I want to put this together. I mean, you have a very well put together website and um, it seems like there's a lot of structure and, and it was really well thought out. So maybe tell me a little bit about the whole story of how the idea came about and then how you actually made it, I guess, happen. Because sometimes it's easy to have an idea for something, but then to actually execute it on top of everything else you're doing. Um, <laughs> I'm curious, you know? Absolutely. So I guess the podcast for me uh, first came to life because of my position and what I do and the companies that I represent. I do travel regularly. I'm on the road three, four days a week. And I found that personally, podcast has been a great way to pass that time. Um, I do it for in entertainment. I do it for education and knowledge. Anything you really want to find is in the podcast world. It's been a phenomenal source, and I just think that that's a great way to get a message out there. For people that are looking for a specific message, that's a phenomenal vehicle to get that message out there. I think our industry as a whole definitely needs to recruit people and needs to get the message out there of who we are and what we do in this industry. We need to get people excited about it. And I think I was trying to use the podcast as a platform to do that. There's a lot of great media sources out there and a lot of great information out there for our industry that is maybe more of your traditional media. But I was trying to look at it, just a different vehicle, a different avenue to get out there. Essentially, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I'm just trying to put a new tire on it. Yeah. Definitely. So that was kind of the envision of it, I guess, or the initial thoughts is, okay, this will be a way for me to maybe give back to the industry a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. It has been a, a very long and daunting process. Obviously, as you said, I've got many other things that uh, I do. I tend to get a lot of irons in the fire, as some might say. But it's been a great process. It started well over a year ago. I finally did launch in January of this year. I thought, well, you know what, let's kind of actually I was getting close towards the end of 2019, I thought, you know, let's just roll it out first of the year. Let's let's hit this thing running. My goal is to do two a month. That's my focus as of now. Um, and, and so far, I'm on pace and I'm doing well with that. But the whole process, you know, and I wanted it to be something that was quality. I wanted it to have value to it. I wanted to provide versatile value and awareness about this industry. So basically all I did, you know, I set my plate with a whale and I just started eating one bite at a time. Mm -hmm. I did connect with a lot of my social network people that are either involved in podcasting or know people involved in podcasting and got a lot of reference there. Talked to a lot of people. Um, and then I did 
I'll be honest. I did hire an outside company, one that I know that does podcasting, um, that I had some personal relationships with. So people that I trusted and, and thought, you know, they're the pros here. Let's let them do this. Especially when I started diving into it and finding out to produce good quality, which I hope to do. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of dedication. And I'm one of those that says, you know, if somebody can do it better, then that's what I want. I want the person that can do it the best. So let's be efficient and let's be streamlined with it. But that was kind of how it all came about. Um, I tried to cast a very broad net um, at the start, at least. I've tried to cover this entire industry. I, I don't focus on one aspect of it as far as, you know, the selling side or the buying side. Um, I try to cover everything I can. And my goal is to bring on the people that are maybe in the industry that can help share the value and the information. Um, I'll give you some examples. I had Rick Davis on and we talked about this is the sexy industry, you know, trying to motivate people, trying to get the information out there of what this industry is. Most recently, we just launched one, actually just went out this week. It was with Ken Wilbanks. And we talked about company culture and the value of company culture and how to inspire those people to do more, how to have world-class companies. Those are some of the things I've tried to do with the podcast, I guess. That's my vision and my goal. Again, that's what I'm trying to give back to the industry in a sense. And for me personally, what I've gained from this is uh, I'm a bit of a social juggernaut to begin with, but this has given me the opportunity to connect with new people just like yourself, um, just like the Rick Davises and the Ken Wellbanks, to really strengthen and deepen my roots into this industry. That's what yeah. I've gotten out of it. Definitely. Does that answer your question? <laughs> it does. And I think um, kind of what you're saying is similar to like what I think a lot of, not just, I think a lot of podcasters, because I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. And I think if you approach it from the idea of like, I want to learn from other people, um, I think that's kind of what this platform is so unique is it allows you to reach out to other people and share their wisdom and insights. And, you know, not only are you learning, but all your listeners get to learn as well. Um, so your podcast is different in the sense of that you don't just focus like for us, mine specifically, I focus on talking to retailers in the industry, telling their stories what unique, interesting things they're doing. You know, in your case, it's having a podcast. Um, someone might have done like a really cool merchandising thing or just different things. And it sounds interesting in that your podcast is focusing on, like you said, from a broad standpoint, the re the retailer would be interested, but it sounds like it's designed for manufacturers. It's designed for anyone that's you know, graduating college and doesn't know, or maybe they're not wanting to go to college and they're trying to figure out where they would fit. Is that kind of what your, your audience is a more broader stroke and maybe kind of explain what your audience is and how you're working on like kind of targeting those, the people that you want to hear this message. Absolutely. And you're, you're right there. That was my initial goal and intention was to make a very broad stroke. Um, now, luckily, this podcast is just me. It is mine. It, it can mold and manipulate any way I want it. And hopefully, I will get some direction as I move along and then determine, okay, do I need to become more specific? Do I need to be rifled in and targeting something more specific? But at this point, I want to just throw a bunch, the old saying is, you know, throw it all up against the wall and just see what sticks. 
Um, yeah. So I'm doing a lot of tracking on, and obviously it's still in the infancy stage. There's not a lot of data yet, but as it grows, I'll hopefully have more data to say, okay, you know, where am I getting the most listens? Where am I getting the most follows? But yeah, that was kind of the idea, you know, is to target as many people as I can, um, industry people that want to learn more, people that aren't even in the industry, but would like to get into it, trying to encourage them and to create a spark there, or even the homeowner, the end user. I did a podcast on smart homes, and that was more designed for somebody that just wants to find out more about smart homes. That's the beautiful thing about podcasting is that you can search for virtually anything you want, whether it's a specific topic, whether it's a genre, you can get very detailed if you really want to. So I'm, again, trying to put as much out there as I possibly can and just seeing what makes the most sense. Maybe I'll mold it into something else. Maybe I'll just continue with the flow like this. But as far as the framework of what I'm doing so far in, and again, this went back to part of the process of building this and, and establishing it. I, I broke it down to three categories and I call them the nuts and bolts of the podcast. And the first category is in the field. And that's going to be products, services, and tools. The next category is what I call in the office, and that's going to be your education, your professionals, and then any technology pieces. Mm -hmm. And then the third category is going to be the support category, which is groups, organizations, and associations. And yeah. that is kind of my starting point or my very yeah. general idea of what I am focusing on. Granted, I'm still trying to stay industry specific, but yeah. all aspects of the industry. Oh, for sure. For does sure. That, does that give a little more clarity to what yeah. I'm trying to do here and the mission or yeah. goal? Definitely. Um, Good, because I don't know what it is yet either. So if you figure it out, please tell me, Renee. <laughs> give me some direction. I need some uh, focus we've points here. Doing, we've been doing R2 podcast now since... So we've been doing it about a year now. I started out and I was, I mean, I hit the ground running. I had all of these episodes lined up, all of these great interviews. And I will say, as it goes on, it gets tough because, you know, you you connect with people. And I think for some people, it's intimidating going, oh, I'm going on like a podcast. I'm going to be listened to. And I try and approach it of like, we're, we're just having a conversation and hundreds of people are listening in. Like, <laughs> there's a hundred flies in the room while we're talking right now. Uh, no, but I, I think it's, it's a fun opportunity to connect with people, to share their story. And I came from the editorial side of things. So I've been with NRHA this July, it'll be six years. Um, and my first almost four and a half, five years were all on the editorial, like writing for the magazine, going to retailer stores, writing stories about category spotlights and, you know, product trends and, and all that type of thing. So I had a lot of knowledge in that. And then I shifted gears from writing for the magazine to, okay, now I'm on the association side and now I'm working with our members and I'm helping them get into training. And so now instead of approaching it from a story, you know, I, d I do a lot less of that. So I'm glad that I have the podcast as my way to kind of be my creative outlet. Um, and it sounds like you're probably a creative guy as well, because I don't think you'd, you would willingly put yourself on this, especially when you have the parameters with yourself to be like, I need to get two out a month. I mean, that's, it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you do all the stuff it takes to make it go out, it, it's a lot. <laughs> we only do one, we only do one a month. Well, two, cause Kevin does mine and Dan's, but yeah. Yeah, no, and it is a lot. And selfishly, you know, I did the part of the casting of Broadnet and, you know, going at a very 
large umbrella of this entire industry was giving myself plenty of opportunities so that hopefully I wouldn't run out of things to talk about, which I am on the opposite spectrum of that. I may have bitten off more than I could chew because now I'm trying to find myself getting back in lines. I'm like, okay, I need to get more in this category or more in this category because I haven't done any of that yet. And here I am. I just, like I said, just launched the seventh one this week. And, and I feel like I've almost been a little too focused on some of the specific topics and not gotten broad enough yet to give myself a good database as to judge what's going to be beneficial and what's going to be the most uh, prosperous for my podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I do think though that, and you probably would say the same, same thing. I think every episode and every person or group of people, cause I've had a few with multiple, um, is it gives you just another opportunity to expand upon a specific story in a different way. But I think anyone can gain something out of an episode from, from ours. And I'm sure the same could be said for you guys for, for yours as well. Um, what has been the response, I guess, from like the store, you said you have three Thorn Lumber stores. So what's the response been from, I guess your parents, what do, what do your mom and dad think? And uh, what, what do you like employ our employees listening or people in town listening? Like, have you gotten any feedback? I, I'm just curious what, what it's been like have, putting yourself out there in a public way like this. And then, you know, hearing what people have to say, chewing their popcorn. <laughs> well, and it's a little different. I mean, I'm obviously a, uh, as, as I said before, a bit of a social juggernaut and I'm, I'm often told I'm quite loud and outspoken. So from that aspect, that, that's pretty much normal for me. But to get to a much broader audience is definitely been, uh, I wouldn't say uncomfortable, but it's kind of pushed my comfort zone a little bit, you know, pushed the envelope, which is is great. I think that you you need to do that in order to grow. You know, that's one of the most critical things is you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. If mm -hmm. you're going to grow and, and get bigger and it expand. Um, but no, it's been accepted very well. I mean, obviously, you know, around the office, we have fun, we heckle, we joke a little bit. So, yeah, and every once in a while, I'll walk into one of the offices and they'll have it playing on the radio or something, which is fun. But, you know, it's been a good time. It really has been a great experience. And what I've been able to take away from even this early on has been unbelievable. I mean, the the relationships I've built, you know, the the connections I have, the first name basis I'm on with some of these industry leaders has been phenomenal and has done a lot for our company. It's been able to open my eyes to things. You know, we're here in rural Missouri and sometimes we don't see what's going on everywhere else and we lose sight of things because we're so focused on the day-to-day -day business that we're working in the business too much and not working on the business enough. And this has given me an outside look to really help me, again, focus on the important things that are go beyond just the day-to-day -day business. Yeah. So what are some things that you've learned from any of your episodes that are you applying anything from any of the people you've talked to? Are you wanting to do some of the things that you've, you've kind of been learning about over the past couple months and, and applying it in Thorn Lumber? Absolutely. I mean, if I can't learn from this, then I probably need to stop doing it. <laughs> um, it, it is a lot of fun. But no, again, for me, it's a chance for me to help grow and help educate myself and and give myself a better understanding and knowledge of this industry and to be a better leader, to be a better teammate, to be a better leader, to be 
more involved. So yes, absolutely. I've been able to take away a lot of stuff from these connections and these people. Again, my focus was let's. I'm going to try to find the specialist on whatever it is I'm going to be discussing or talking about so that I can learn from them and so that the listeners can learn from them. And I want to be able to take those things back to our company or to share them with customers so that they can use them in their company and their business. Mm -hmm, definitely. So I guess uh, what are kind of your thoughts on like the home improvement hardware industry? I mean, obviously you're passionate about it. Otherwise you wouldn't have started a show talking about it with people. Um, and what are some like goals and dreams that you want to accomplish within the business and, and as a collective part of the independent like industry, I guess. And that can be multiple tiers, but. Sure. I'll just, yeah. Uh, you, <laughs> the, as far as the industry, the, the hardware and the home improvement industry. Yes. I am very passionate about it. You know, I, again, growing up in it and I'm, 100% with Rick Davis on this. And this is the sexy industry. <laughs> when you really look at it, I mean, it is, but it's also kind of the diamond in the rough. It's hidden. You know, we don't do a, a good enough job getting that message out there, but you look at what we do, look at the projects, look at the structures, look at what we build, look at the people that are involved. And then the low barrier of entry and the robust opportunities. When you combine all of that, I mean, that just, is a phenomenal thing. I mean, we have such a great thing here that we're all involved with and we're all a part of, and, and we've just got to get that message out there. Um, this industry itself, you know, it, it's very challenging. It's very exciting, but it's also a lot of fun. I've said before, we're not splitting atoms here. We can have a good time. I mean, and that's what's phenomenal about this industry. And that's just where my heart is. That's where I've been. That's where I've spent my entire life. And I would love to see, you know, some of the aspirations and goals is to see this become one of those industries that people are excited. People are looking at getting into. I think we've gotten away from that. We've let that slide. Um, and we've got, and I think we're at a pinnacle point, right? Pinnacle point right now to where we've got a lot of people in the industry that are tenured and have a lot of value and information and knowledge. And we've got to get the younger people in so that that can be passed along. They can gain that information. They can get that knowledge from those people that have been, I hate to use the word elders or seniors, but truly the people that are experienced and versed in this industry, we need them to pass that information along. And we need to recruit people. We need to inspire people to become yeah. a part of this. And, you know, when you look at, again, what we're doing, I mean, we are a uh, looking at the pandemic we're in now. I mean, we're considered an essential business. I mean, what we do is very important. I mean, we put a roof over people's heads. I mean, yeah. that's what we do. And I mean, when you really break it down, that's pretty critical and important to most people. I mean, that ranks right up there with oxygen, water, and food. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think what you're saying makes a makes a good point because one of the things NRHA, you know, our association's been around for over a hundred and almost 120 years at this point. Um, and for I think over 30 or so now, we have been honoring uh, young retailers in the industry that are doing really cool, outstanding things. So 35 and under uh, every year, we recognize seven to eight different individuals within the industry, they apply or have other people submit their nominations. 
And then we honor them at the National Hardware Show. And I think it's one way that we can try and show that there it's not just about people who've been there for years and have all of that great knowledge. And, you know, eventually one day when they retire or close up shop, they're taking that with them. And so we want to try and help bridge that gap. Um, and so if it's having a an award, you know, honoring retailers in the industry and, and nominating them and, and showing them um, that there is a place for them in this industry and then um, offering different educational resources, whether it's our online training or um, we have some further advancement college level courses and all of these types of tools, I think we're trying to put out there so that we can get younger people involved and continue to keep our industry thriving because it, it'll be interesting in the next 10 years to see how everything kind of changes with the with the changing of the guards kind of in many ways. Um, I got to ask Renee, do you guys offer an award for old dogs learning new tricks by chance? I don't, I don't make the 35 year cutoff. I'm well beyond that, but I would like to get an award for this. <laughs> we do have, um, what's called our top gun award. And that, that is the, the top guns in the industry. And we recognize around four people every year, um, that are doing really phenomenal things just like the young retailers are. But yeah, I mean, we try and do things to highlight retailers and that's what our whole branding and messaging is about is, you know, sharing stories of retailers like yourself, whether it's through the podcast or the magazine, um, providing education, advocating for retailers. And I'm glad you mentioned, um, I'm not sure when we're going to have this podcast go live. We had another one recorded. So I don't know if I'm going to hold off on putting that one out and put yours out first or flip flop it. But either way, um, it is it is April 2nd when we're recording and um, COVID-19 is like any, that's all people are talking about right now with, with good reason. Um, it's, it's really impacting every industry. And, um, when things started to, when it, when it all started coming out and businesses were, you know, the governments were telling uh, state governments were saying, you know, you should probably stay home and let's dial in and rein things in. It wasn't necessarily official yet. Um, NRHA, all, our entire staff um, switched to a work from home model and the editorial team and several of our executives and the board all kind of got together and uh, put out a um put out a statement, worked with all the different wholesalers to put out a, a press release that they could provide to the industry and then retailers could send to their local, state, and federal government um, to, to deem hardware stores and home improvement businesses as essential businesses. And I, I mean, I don't know if that is the reason why or if that helped move the curve. I would like to think so, but it was just really cool seeing people come together. And, you know, you're the first retailer I've had a chance to talk to on air about this whole situation. And I'm just curious how you guys are navigating. I mean, it's, it's unprecedented there. I think I was reading that in the span of two weeks, there are 10 million, almost 10 million unemployed employed people that applied for unemployment um, in the US. And it's just it, it's this is we're making history right now. And the history books are going to be writing about it. But I'd just be curious to hear how you as a business owner or a business, a retailer in a business are dealing with this. And, you know, none of us have answers, but I'm just curious to hear how you guys are reacting and, and what your thoughts are on everything going on. 
Absolutely. Um, I, I think it's, as you said, it's very obvious right now, the world is definitely at a tilt. Um, yeah. We have to be very cautious. We have to be very smart, but at the same time, I, we have to press on. We have to be resilient. Mm -hmm. This is something that we're going to get through. We have to get through this. Um, from a, uh, in my personal life, I, I tend to wander off into the woods and um, completely off grid and sometimes for multiple days. And I've even done it completely solo. I do a lot of hunting and backpacking and fishing. And I, I love to get out in nature. And Something I've learned from that is that you always plan and prepare for the worst, but you strive and stride for the best. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a, an identical situation where you need to have a plan and you need to be prepared for the worst, but we are still going to strive and stride for the best. Yeah. Um, so kind of, you know, with that being said, obviously we're, we're very cautious of what's going on. We are listening to the professionals. Now I say the professionals, not the politicians, because I think it's really the professionals that are giving us the most valid information. Yeah. Um, I, I think government is doing a great job at, at passing this along and some of the new stimuluses that are coming out to support the economy and help keep things afloat. But I, I think we definitely, there's still a lot of unknowns with this. And I think we, we've got to listen to the professionals and we've got to take every precaution we can. I and mean, that goes back to that plan and prepare. For us as a company, you know, as a essential business, we are, are taking, we've taken a lot of steps and, and I hope we're taking enough. You know, we have put up plexiglass partitions for our retail customers. You know, we are offering services we haven't offered before as far as, you know, uh, people can call in orders and we'll bring them out to their car for them. We'll set them on the curb. You know, we've always offered delivery, but we're now extending our delivery saying, okay, anything will deliver now. You don't have to have minimums, anything like that. Um, when we do deliveries, our big material deliveries, you know, if it's going to take two guys to unload it, we're sending two vehicles. You know, we're not putting two guys in a truck. You know, we want to protect our people just like we want to protect our communities. We're doing every, uh, trying to do everything we can. You know, I read an article a while back, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't read the whole article, but the headlines what really caught my attention. This was early on, and it said, when we look back on this, the steps we're taking now may seem extreme, mm -hmm. but consider the alternative. Mm -hmm. And that's what really caught my attention. Yeah, what we're doing is extreme, but if it's not enough, I mean, that that's what's scary. And, and there's just so many unknowns right now that I think we have to take extreme measures. We have to be cautious. We have to be prepared. Um, you know, but kind of what you said, you know, th there is a silver lining to all this. There are some great things coming from us. We, we've got to stay positive. You know, we've got, uh, I'm a naturally an optimistic person. Um, you know, even the tagline I see a lot around there is, uh, we're in this together. I would love to see that tagline something more like, together we'll get through this, you know, something a little more optimistic. We're going to get through this. I mean, we are as a people, as a whole, as a country, we're going to get through this. Um, some of the silver linings I'm seeing, you know, I, I see a lot more people utilizing the outdoors and parks more than I've seen in a long time. Um, family, friends, and loved ones. I see them bonding now more than ever. You see it all over social media, which is fantastic. I mean, seeing people interacting together, in their immediate groups and their immediate families is a great thing. Um, the old saying, 
you don't know what you have until it's gone. I mean, that plays true here. And I think technology and social media, I think it's a great thing. But I think yeah. right now people are craving physical interaction. <laughs> yes. It's it, amazing because that's all you hear about. People want to. So I think when this thing does, when we get through this, I, I hope, I truly hope that, you know, people will unplug for a little while. You know, they'll, they'll go to those happy hours. They'll meet up for at the coffee shop with some people. And mm-hmm. from our industry, you know, hopefully when their next project comes up, you know, maybe instead of ordering and researching online, you know, maybe they'll go to their local hardware store and they'll, look for that assistance and they'll talk to the people and they'll buy the products there. I mean, hopefully that's the silver line. Hopefully that's what we are going to gain from all of this. Yeah. I would say too, you know, I am, I've never had a hard time picking up the phone and calling people. I think that's part of my personality and um, not a lot of millennials and I don't want to, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of people in my age range or younger tend to lean more towards texting and and that type of thing. But I've, I have had more people reach out to me, FaceTime me, call me than I've had in forever. And it's, it's interesting because like I can think about a month and a half ago being at a restaurant with my girlfriends and every single person is on their phone. And I'm like, why am I here with you guys if you're all on your phone looking at other things? Like, I think that you hit the nail on the head as far as being grateful for the things that we took advantage or, or not took advantage of, but, um, that, that we didn't consider was something that we should just have, you know, you just expect to just be able to go and pop into a coffee shop or run down to the local bookstore or go grab a beer with your friends at the bar. And now we're all kind of retreating. And, and I think it's almost a a chance to, okay, look inwards and go, what can I do, you know, to, to deal with this and how can I still connect with people? Um, I also have been really impressed by how the businesses that are open and those that are not open, um, but are still connecting with their customers are reacting in this because, um, I think it speaks a lot to the innovation and and cool things that can come out of the situation. Um, you know, seeing stories of there's a, there's a bookstore in Michigan that I'm, I want to reach out to and, and connect with them, but they were not deemed essential. So it's an independent store, been around for about seven years now in their community. And I think it's uh, Ann Arbor, which is a college town. Um, But they have really created a hub for their community. People go to the bookstore for, um, they have different events and they have groups that come together. They have, you know, this great group of booksellers that really work with their customers to find the books that, that might strike a might strike fancy to someone that, you know, Amazon can only recommend so many things and um, their community came in. They, they put together a GoFundMe because they didn't want to have to furlough or, or lay off employees. And the GoFundMe hit over a hundred thousand dollars. And, and I think it was two days. Um, and it just shows that when your community, when you give to your community, they want to do what they can to help you. And that was like hearing that I was just like, wow, it's so cool to see even other examples of independent businesses that are standing up for their employees. And, you know, they're still offering, they're delivering books to people because 
you know, libraries are closed right now. So they're delivering books. Their uh, booksellers are working and picking up calls and offering suggestions. They're doing Zoom uh, events with people that they wouldn't have done otherwise. But I mean, that's just a really cool example of a business that's said, okay, this is our situation. What can we do to try and first of all, save our employees and keep them employed? And how can we continue to serve our customers, but adapt and use technology to our advantage? Um, so that just to me was a really cool example. And I think that a lot of hardware stores are doing really cool things. Home improvement stores, lumber yards are doing really cool things. Um, Crest Hardware and Garden Center, we talk about them a lot. And I've been trying to get him on the podcast and he's just really busy. And now I'm like, I probably shouldn't bother him right now. But he brought in a, um, a local bookstore. He's in, based in Brooklyn, New York brought in a local bookstore that was deemed non-essential and they have a little pop-up in the back of the hardware store. So people come in, get their essentials, grab a book or two, and they're keeping both of those businesses going. Um, I think people are just coming together more and more. And as much as people want to focus on the doom and gloom and the, and the negatives, I think if we can try and talk about the positives and try and find those silver linings, it'll help us all to continue to move forward. Um, that's me on my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing well, Renee. You're doing well. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it's definitely one of those things, though. I feel like I need a I need a woodsy area to go out in and just be like, what is going on? Because it is. It's just so weird, you know. And and I I don't think you can't just expect the answers to all come out because they do change every day. But anything we can do um, is is big right now. So. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, it, we've all got to come together to get through this and we will get through this. I mean, that, yeah. and like you said, it's great to see those people adapting and, you know, being that light of beacon saying, Hey, you know what, we're going to get through this. We're going to make it through, you know, there is anywhere you look, there's doom and gloom out there. No question about it, but we need those sources of inspiration people out there doing it day in and day out saying, Hey, we're going to find a way to show you there is hope and that there is tomorrow. It is going to be here. Yeah. So what, what would you say to anyone who's maybe listening and they're just like, I don't know what to do right now, whether it's related to the COVID-19 situation or just business in general, maybe they were just feeling like they wanted to do something new or try something new, whether it's a, a project kind of like you found your passion project with your podcast or, you know, something else that they can do during these weird times. What, what advice would you have for someone to, to do the thing that they've been maybe holding back on or, or I, I don't know. I, I, I just be curious to hear what you would have to say if you could talk to maybe one of the flies that's listening right now, not calling our listeners flies, but. <laughs> <laughs> you know now now is the time i mean be positive i mean there's so much good out there if you've got a little extra time you know it uh, even if you don't th this is a good eye opener i guess and you know a chance to really reflect and say you know what let's take advantage of this time on earth that we have you know make the most of it be positive you know be optimistic you can do people, humans, everybody can do so much if they truly just have the desire and the passion and the will. 
I mean, it, people are unstoppable. So now is that time, you know, take advantage of, just like we were talking about, you know, with what's going on, how it's really reflected on people and what they neglected in the past. Just like you talked about, everybody was on their phones and we're not enjoying that time together. Weren't taking advantage. Now is the time to realize that, Hey, do it now. Mm -hmm. Put everything aside, whatever, determine what is the most important to you and go after that. Mm -hmm. um, be positive, be prepared, be resilient. Definitely. Um, would you say that you're, you and are you trying to support as many other independent businesses as you can right now? Have you been ordering from local restaurants or, or doing different things like that outside of, you know, the own, your own business? Absolutely. You know, we, we've had, um, a lot of our local businesses, which we, we do business with anyways, but you know, we've tried to let them know, Hey, if you need, especially those that are still open, those that are still operating, Hey, if you need, we, we carry cleaning supplies, we'll bring in cleaning supplies. You know, we'll get as much from our suppliers as we can. If you need toilet paper, paper towels, we will get what we can for you. Even if it's not a typical stock item for us, let us know. I mean, we've brought in a lot of things. I mean, being primarily, you know, for the professional, you know, we don't go deep into cleaning supplies and household supplies. We carry a few, but we've expanded those. Just letting people know, say, hey, if you need it, we'll do our best to get it for you. So absolutely, we are trying to, to support them, let them know what we can do for them. And, and then, you know, we have definitely tried to repay those favors and, and, and you know, going to our local restaurants, you know, getting the takeout food, you know, trying to say, hey, if you guys are still open, you know, we're going to come up there and we're going to get a meal. You know, we're going to bring some stuff back for lunch for everybody. So I, I think that's just a critical, we're at a critical time right now where it's going to take communities and businesses supporting each other. Yeah. Who would have thought that toilet paper would be having its moment right now? <laughs> I don't think I ever would have thought we would be discussing toilet. Like I've talked about toilet paper more than I have in, I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting the things that have sold out when you go to, go to, you know, your local grocery store or whatever, you walk down the toilet paper aisle, it's eerie. It's like, did they get a shipment or not? So, um, I really hope that people lay off of the hoarding mentality. I think that that comes from a place of fear. Um, and I think if we can just kind of say, okay, do I need 1845 rolls of, you know, this thick toilet paper? Probably not. I, I can. <laughs> if you need that much toilet paper, you had issues before this virus. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So uh, who would have thought that toilet paper would be having its month um, or months? Who knows? But um, it's been so good talking to you. Is there anything else that we didn't really talk about? I mean, I know we didn't dig into some of your, some of your thoughts on merchandising or, or working with your employees or training or any of those types of things, but you know, down the line, maybe we, we get together for another conversation, but, um, anything else that we didn't touch on that you, that you'd like to kind of throw in? No, I think, you know, considering the time we're in, I think we've definitely hit on a lot of the, the critical things 
in in our economy right now and what's going on. We can always circle back and and yeah. relate on some of these other things. I'd love to. It's been a it's been a pleasure being here. I've really enjoyed sitting down with you, Renee. And I enjoyed getting to meet you and know you at the market a couple months ago. And this has been a phenomenal experience. It's actually uh, this is the first time I've been on this side of the conversation. So it's, it's been a, <laughs> you know not knowing what's coming at me has been a definitely been a good experience. This has been such a good uh, call, a good conversation, and. Um, I've really enjoyed getting the chance to just talk with you and hear about your podcast again. Um, if anyone wants to find it, how can they find the podcast and maybe give, give a little plug so people can make sure that they're, they're following and finding the right, the right thing. Where can they find you? Absolutely. The best place is just at the website, www.buildingthefuturepodcast.com. Um, from there, you'll find links to all the episodes, to all the social media stuff. That's probably the quickest and easiest on most of your major podcast platforms. You can just search for Building the Future Podcast. Okay. And then, it, so you're on like Apple, um, the iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, all of those? Yep. Awesome. Cool. Well, we're in the same place. I, I wonder if you'll pop up or will pop up on yours as a recommended, but... Um, it's been so good talking to you. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy day. I'm sure you have a lot going on that you got to go take care of. So we appreciate your time. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. It's been wonderful, Renee. Thank you. And thank your listeners. Yes, of course. Have a good one. Okay. You guys too. Okay. Bye. Bye.